Today's guest leads one of the largest social service agencies in New Hampshire, Easter Seals, and joined that after founding and leading Families in Transition, an organization dedicated to helping people who find themselves without a home. We talked to Maureen Beauregard about her dedication to helping the state's most vulnerable citizens. I'm Matt Mowry, co-publisher and executive editor of Business NH Magazine and Granite Media Group. And I'm Christine Kerrigan, co-publisher of Business NH Magazine and chief creative officer for Granite Media Group. And welcome to BizCast NH. So Christine, today's guest, who mm-hmm. I've known for quite a while, so I'm very excited for the, this interview, Yeah. Um, but got me inspired in thinking about not just about nonprofits, but just you know, I, I sometimes don't realize how much nonprofits touch my own life mm-hmm. on a regular basis because yeah. they're just there, right? They're just part of your life. Yeah. And you don't think about whether or not they're nonprofit or for-profit. They're just something that's part of your life, like going to the library. Right. Or going to the hospital. <laughs> right. Well, I had thought about that. Um, you know, you're thinking, well, how, how am I affected by nonprofits? And then we start thinking through your life. There are so many ways that you are, even uh, for me, like, the gym that I go to is a nonprofit. And uh, like you mentioned, my, my um, healthcare network is a nonprofit. Um, I'm on the board of the Palace Theater, their community advisory board, which is also a nonprofit in the, in the arts um, industry. And yeah, it just, it affects your lives. Nonprofit industries affect your life in so many ways that you don't consciously think about on a day-to-day basis. But once you start thinking about it, you're like, Oh yeah, my my life is full, filled with nonprofit organizations. Right. How many date nights have been brought to me by the wonders of the Capital Center for the Arts and the Music Hall and the Palace Theater, mm-hmm. or even just you know we adopted our children, and while that was through the state, so many nonprofit organizations were part of our lives during that part, including you know providing a counselor who came to our house to help with bonding and help us figure out how to bring these two little boys who had gone through so much into our home Mm -hmm. and help them in the way they need to be helped. Um, It's just amazing to me how my life has been touched and shaped by the nonprofits. And how important it is to have these nonprofit organizations in our lives to help, uh, help us improve, you know, kind of many different aspects in our life. Right. From education and, um, all the ways, you know, my kids have been enriched through the YMCA, mm-hmm. uh, through art programs, uh, through camps. You know, those were all nonprofits that provided those services uh, to us and have provided some great memories for my kids, helped shape who they are today. Um, you know, and, and then you think about those outreach that you get, like on these cold winter months, and you get that outreach about you know, a nonprofit needs donations of clothes or money because an emergency shelter needs to be funded or, you know, there were, there's a cold snap coming. We've got to get warm clothes and um, sleeping bags into the hands of people who are going to be unhoused during that. And it hits home to you just the essential role they play, especially in a state like New Hampshire, right? Because mm-hmm. we're low taxes, yeah, which means government just doesn't ha- provide the services to the level in other states that nonprofits in our state pick up. Exactly. And you just mentioned the the cold winter months just made me think I'm I'm part of a knitting group um, and all of the pieces that we create are actually donated to local nonprofits, whether it's um, family uh, organizations like uh, um, 
Well, we, we donate to, you know, places like CMC or um, other uh schools in the area and uh, family organizations that, that need donations of hats and scarves right. and mittens and blankets and things like that. Um, so that's, you know, one of the ways that I, that I am happy to be able to donate to these organizations, because if you can't donate fiscally, fiscally, if you can't donate, you know, financially, yes. financially, thank you all the time. I'm happy to know that I can do something, uh, I can create something that gets donated that helps these organizations as well. Well, I think that's enough about us talking about nonprofits. Yes. Let's talk to someone who lives it every day. Absolutely. Yes. So this week, our guest is Maureen Beauregard, who became president and CEO of Easter Seals New Hampshire and Vermont in 2019. In 1991, Maureen founded Families in Transition New Hampshire, which grew under her leadership to be the state's largest home services organization. Her tenure at FIT included day-to-day leadership, overseeing multiple mergers and acquisitions, and creating programs to help families and individuals in need. Since joining Easter Seals New Hampshire and Vermont, she has steered the organization through COVID-19 and a strategic planning process. In addition, under her leadership, the organization is spearheading three large-scale infrastructure projects totaling over $60 million that will benefit Easter Seals New Hampshire and Vermont clients and their families. Maureen earned her Bachelor of Science degree in Child and Family Studies from the University of New Hampshire and her Master's degree in Public Policy from the University of New Hampshire's Carsey School of Public Policy. She also has a Certificate of Leadership Development from the U.S. Army National Security Seminar, and in addition, she is a graduate of Leadership New Hampshire. Maureen has recently received numerous awards and recognitions, including one of Business New Hampshire Magazine's Most Influential People in 2024, a 2021 Business Excellence Award, and inclusion in the 2021 New Hampshire 200, both awarded by the New Hampshire Business Review. She was also named Greater Manchester Chamber of Commerce's Citizen of the Year and received both the Southern New Hampshire University Loeffler Award and the University of New Hampshire's Granite State Award. Under her leadership, Families in Transition was named Business New Hampshire Magazine's 2013 Nonprofit of the Year. And in January, as we mentioned, she was named one of Business New Hampshire Magazine's 40 Most Influential Leaders. Maureen, welcome to the podcast. Well, thank you for having me. I'm happy to be here. I feel like I should be doing so much more with my life now. (laughs) (laughs) So Maureen, I want to delve in first. So Easter Seals is one of those organizations that I think a lot of people know the name and that it's been around a long time, but I don't think it no people often don't know everything that Easter Seals does. It is amazing to me when I see the number of services. Can you talk about what Easter Seals is and what it does? And then, you know, that'll wrap up the interview. <laughs> <laughs> it, it really could, Matt. Um, thank you, Christine. I'm, I'm really happy to be here and I'm happy to talk about Easter Seals. You know, we work with Um, you know, children, adults, older adults, and veterans. And along that continuum, we have programs that really focus on children's education, be it residential, child development centers, early support services. You know, for adults, we have a lot of programs that work with adults with disabilities. Um, We have Farnham, which is a substance misuse treatment program. Um, And when we talk about um, older adults, we have adult day programs, we have um, um, home health services, and we just finished a 65-unit senior housing project in Rochester, and it is stunning. 
Um, and then veterans, you know, we have our military and veteran services. We call it Veterans Count. Um, we do care coordination and we do clinical services. So along that continuum, I've only mentioned a few things that we do. Um, and a part of telling our story is trying to figure out how the heck do we say it without using this whole 40 minutes or like listing things. But if we can look at it in terms of like age groups, call us and see what we can do. It's uh, it's astounding. How many staff members does it take to provide all these various services? Well, we're East of Seals, New Hampshire and Vermont. And I, and I have to give a shout out to Vermont. It's the most amazing child protection program I've ever seen. Um, you know, Matt, you adopted children um, from the foster system. I grew up in foster care. Um, I worked as a social worker for the state to see, like, what was this all about? And they have the secret sauce of how to do this stuff. So we have that. So all in total, it's about 1,400 staff. Wow. $127 million budget. That's amazing. It is. So I want to circle back to Easter Seals. But sure. first, we want to explore how you got to Easter Seals. Mm. And so and you, you touched on a little bit. So let's go back a bit and let's talk about your childhood and what that was like and how it shaped you and how did you get on a path to to helping other people through nonprofits? Sure. I, I feel um, like my history is like it's not so good, but at the other hand, it's, it's really good, right? It, those two things can live all at the same time. And I'm just going to tell a really quick story. Mm-hmm. I lived with my family until I was four. There were five of us. Um, my youngest sister's Carolyn. She had a physical disability that runs in my family. I don't have it, thank goodness. Um, at the age of four, we were split up and put into foster care. And in the 60s, they just placed you in foster care, and that was it. Um, my life, my my love were my siblings. When parents aren't around, it's all about the siblings. Mm-hmm. Um, it was hard for me to lose them. You know, it's like a sudden death of like seven people, your parents and your siblings. Oh. That's what it felt like. Um, but I, I've always been the one that carries the memories and the love um, for my family of origin. Um, I remember being in a yucky foster home and standing on the sofa. I was young. Um, and uh, all of a sudden, Carolyn, my sister, was in my living room on my TV in black and white. It said, Carolyn Eve Beauregard, East Seal poster child for New Hampshire. And that seared in my brain. It really did. Um, and it was a pivotal moment. Um, for me because I never forgot it. And even though, so I grew up and somehow I made it through UNH. I don't know how I did it, but I did. Lots of support along the way. I have to say some nonprofits, community people, school was my safe place. Mm. Thank goodness I had school, um, junior high and high school. You wouldn't want to know me in junior, in elementary school. <laughs> you just wouldn't want to know me, people. So we're just going to brush over that. <laughs> and suddenly we're 16. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And suddenly I'm in seventh grade and we don't know the morning before that. But but anyway, you know, I made it through and, um, and you know, I got the opportunity to start Families in Transition under Julie East in the Hampshire community. Community Loan Fund. And when I look at FIT, it's like, it, it, there's no, there's no like, duh moment. Like, I kept housing and rehousing my family of origin. There were times we didn't have a place to live. Yeah. And, um, and that's how I worked it out. You know, before I started FIT, I went through the most incredibly difficult time in my life. I got sober, number one. And number two, I had to really reconcile um, my past. And in FIT, really, people are like, oh my gosh, you did so much at FIT. And I'm like, actually, FIT did it for me. 
mm. if it helped me. Um, so this whole Easter Seals thing was, was always in the back of my mind. And I met Larry Gammon. Um, Who is a the few previous year. head yeah. of Easter Seals for decades. We, you know New Hampshire's a small town, right? Yes. We all know that. <laughs> yes. So I finally get to meet Larry, like, probably 10 years ago. And um, I was in his office, and, and I go, hey, Larry, my sister was an Easter Seal poster child. And he's like, oh, no, they're child reps. So I said, well, she was a child rep. And he goes, who was it? And I said, Carolyn Beauregard. He goes... Carolyn Beauregard is your sister? He told me Carolyn's stories. He loved her. He talked about her. He knew her. Her life wasn't the easiest. And I got to talk to someone who was present in her life, who was a champion of Carolyn. And I got to tell you, that made my heart sing. He sent Mm -hmm. me a picture of her in an article. Forge ahead again. Larry wants to go to breakfast. He's like, I'm retiring. And I'm like, okay. And he's like, I'm retiring. And I was like, oh, no. Do I leave this thing that I started 28 years ago that I love? Or what do I do? I threw my hat in the ring. I can't even believe they chose me, honestly. <laughs> I was like, you really want me? Like, you, you, can, you can send it back if you want. <laughs> so just to, to take one step back. Sure. So uh, with Families in Transition, where did it start? Where was it when Mm. you sort of began it versus where was it once um, you moved on to to Easter Seals? Uh, So I entered an ad to to create a transitional housing program for women and children. I had worked for the state, all of that as a social worker. Um, And as I said, I did a lot of internal work and I really felt like I understood what folks needed. And um, so I was hired. Julie Eads took a chance on me. Um, I designed one transitional housing program, another transitional housing program, and then she said, she, she said, you know, we don't keep nonprofits programs under our umbrella, so you need to create a nonprofit. And I was like, what the hell is a nonprofit? <laughs> <laughs> and back in the day, I had to go to like the state library to research what it meant to be a nonprofit and how to do it. Right. So um, we incorporated, it was a steering committee, we incorporated to a, a nonprofit. Um, and I am so blessed, just like I was in my youth, with people who saw something in me, believed in me, had faith in me, and cared about me. And those were board members, Ann Snow, Joan Reich, Dick Anagnos, right? Yes. Um, and we were able to become this independent not-for-profit um, and really soar. Um, and what was exciting about that is that I feel like, yeah, we created programs. Yes, we became the largest not-for-profit for the homeless arena, but we advocated. We shined a light on something that people simply didn't want to light on. And to me, that was pretty in a pretty amazing wild ride. So you can imagine my angst of saying, do I do this next thing or do I stay? Mm. And I feel like, it, I know this isn't really all about Maureen, I swear, but I look at fit and I say, you know what? That was really reconciling my past. It was really healing um, by helping others. Um, Easter Seals is about, really about closing the loop on my family. And, you know, I get to be at Easter Seals and I'm in the building where my sister learned to walk. I did connect with her after I got the job. 
Uh, she died a year later. I met her once as an adult, and she said she was proud of me. Um, and she said if it wasn't for Easter Seal, she never would have walked. Uh, loved Larry Gammon and felt like it was home. I am in that building. I have this beautiful photograph of her that I had done, and she's my why. Um, mm. And I swear, like, in my mind's eye, I see her walk in the halls. I really do. I see it over and over and over again. I'm truly blessed. That That's is beautiful. powerful motivation. Yeah. And we'll be right back. Are you looking for quality networking in a fun environment? Join Business NH Magazine for the return of the ultimate Biz NH Bash at the McAuliffe Shepherd Discovery Center in Concord on March 28th. Meet leaders from New Hampshire's 2023 Top 100 Private Companies, Top Women-Led Businesses, Top Family-Owned Businesses, and New Hampshire's Startup Stars, plus the 40 influential leaders in New Hampshire as featured in the January issue of Business NH Magazine. Enjoy delicious appetizers and cocktails, explore museum exhibits, take fun photos in our photo booth, and mingle with the stars of New Hampshire business while gazing at the stars. For more information, visit businessnhmagazine.com slash events. Sponsored by Northeast Delta Dental, Merchants Fleet, Eversource, Ledyard National Bank, and UHY Advisors. And we're back. So going back to FIT, because I, I want to talk about your experience there and how you're able to carry it over to, there's a lot of what Easter Seals does um, that that experience really comes to bear with and, and that you've been able to grow. But it's become a very important organization in as we see increasing homelessness in both Easter Seals and FIT and the roles they're playing to try and address that issue along with other organizations in the state. Can you talk about, you've seen it firsthand, what is it that people who are unhoused, what do they face in New Hampshire? What are the challenges? What is it like for them? Why is it important that we as a community come together to try and figure this out and prevent it from growing further? You know, it's very interesting, Matt, that you say that. Um, I met with Andrew Vries and I thanked him for the um, the education that's happening on WMUR. It's talking about people. And when I see someone who is unhoused, I see a kid. I see a kid who has a history that has led them to where they are. Indeed, there are those who become addicted just because it's in their DNA. When I see the folks that are that become unhoused, living on the streets, I see untreated mental illness. I see untreated, um, you know, substance misuse. I see a tormented childhood. I see a hard childhood. I see perhaps someone who is slightly delayed. There are folks who have brain injuries who are living on the streets chronic mental illness. There was a time where we institutionalized everybody who was chronically mentally ill, and then we said, we're not going to do that anymore. Guess where they are? This is accumulation of years and years of really not looking at the root of the why. Um, so when I see these people, and there are some folks who advocate and say they have a right to sleep on the, the sidewalk, and I'm like, do you know what that means? Do you think that someone sleeping on the sidewalk really wants to sleep on the sidewalk? 
do you think perhaps there's something going on that is leading them to be here and that it's not really a choice? It, it, it boggles my mind, Matt. Um, and with kids, it's, it's the most tragic thing, right? When we see kids who are living in cars, and they are, they're living in substandard housing with bugs and everything else. It's a reality. I've seen it. Um, we need to invest in those that are most vulnerable. I feel like we're here for two reasons, to love and be loved and to serve others. That's what I've learned. I'm 61. That's how I'm living my life. And that's the way we need to look at it. We don't need to judge people. We don't need to call them vagrants. We don't need to do all those name calling. They're people. They're kids. They were kids. I say, if you could, in your mind's eye, see this man on the street as a child and imagine that life that led to this, try it out. That's what I say. And to kind of draw that distinction about the role that nonprofits play, because nonprofits are about addressing the underlying issues. Mm -hmm. And typically when government gets involved, it seems, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, but we've seen it time, time again, it's a response to people being upset that there are encampments Mm. and fears and um, misperceptions about it and, um, and the fact that it's just physically present. Mm. And so the response is typically not always, but been about moving people who are unhoused along and not necessarily into long-term solutions, but just so it is no longer visible within the community. It's that out of sight, out of mind kind of. Can you talk about the responsibilities that nonprofits have and undertake to try and address the really huge underpinnings of what causes people to become unhoused? You know, with the not-for-profit sector, to some extent, I feel like we get 75% of the resources to do 100% of the work. Um, And uh, I feel very proud of the relationships that we've had with government, be it the Mm -hmm. state and local. We've gotten a lot done over the years. Um, It it doesn't matter what political stripe people are. If we talk with people about the facts, they generally come around. When I think about, (coughs) excuse me, when I think about the encampments, you know, There's no secret that perhaps we might have a housing shortage. Right. (laughs) Um, And people are not running to build housing for the poorest because there's no money. Um, At Families in Transition, you know, we built a lot of housing for the very poor. So we were trying to use the same resources that, say, Robert Terigny does with NeighborWorks, whom I think is an amazing man, uh, amazing mission, but for people who are super poor. Hmm. So not only did we need to get the regular resources together, we needed even more resources. When I look at encampments and I think about the state of mind that people are in um, and the lack of, of like affordable, affordable housing for the poor, um, therein lies the rub. I do think that there's a solution. Um, I think that the shelter needs to be rebuilt and it needs to be something that gets at the heart of the why as to why people are there. And we need more um, permanent supportive housing. Yes, house people. Yes, get them in there. 
Um, and yes, let's have services that are wrapped around. Something that's happened over time is that HUD policy has changed and it's narrowed almost to the point where it's really hard to even use the resource. So we need to come up with another way of kind of um, getting the job done. I believe we can do it. Um, so the people who are encamped need to be brought in and they need to be put into housing but not left alone. Housing first is a great idea, but to say that you're going to go into a house and you don't have to take services, you can do whatever, it's it's mistaken. I can't do that in my own house. Like, <laughs> like if you're renting someplace, you don't have a right to just do what you want. You know mm. what I mean? Um, there needs to be a way to do the housing in an ethical and humane way, bring them in uh, and help them along. Um, I believe it can be done. As you mentioned, I mean, affordable housing in general is just a huge problem in the yeah. state. I mean, for people of means, they're having a harder and harder time finding quality housing at a price they can afford. Um, Easter Seals has undertaken two huge projects, mm. one that's very much aimed at that and one that incorporates that. Can you talk about them and why? Walk me through this. We have a pandemic. There's <laughs> enough to deal with. You've got a huge social services agency that you're just trying to get people's services through. And Easter Seals goes, you know, let's take on some major building projects during yep. this time. Yep. Walk me through why that yeah. was something you took on it and yeah. what it's accomplishing. Yeah. I don't think I have an off button. <laughs> um, an off button in that... Um, I'm horribly ADD, and I, I feel like I just keep seeing, singing, singing things. Like, that's a part of I – feel, I feel like it's a superpower now. I just embrace it. Uh, but, you know, these are opportunities that come around perhaps once in a generation. You know, to take this blank piece of land in Rochester, um, a place where we have an adult day program, we have home health services, and we add housing for seniors – to me, that's not a stretch. When you look at the social determinants of health, yes, people need home health care. Some people need adult, adult daycare. Everybody needs a place to live. We adopted that social determinants of health wheel in our strategic plan. One of that, those components is housing. Maybe it's my history of not having a, a regular place to live growing up, but place matters. You have to know where you're going home at the end of the day. It has to be safe, affordable, clean, all of those things. So uh, it was new for Easter Seals. Well, they thought it was new. Um, and I and people are like, why are we doing housing? And I'm like, you've been doing it for 20 years. Do you know how many people, adults with disabilities, that you house every day? How many veterans, homeless veterans, you're helping to house every day? This is the same thing. And what does that look like at Easter Seals, by the way? What's that? The number of people with disabilities and veterans that you, that the organization helps to make sure that they have sure. housing. So we help over 18,000 people a year. Um, and then, you know, the number gets smaller when we start talking about the whole housing component mm -hmm. um, and the senior component. I can tell you that we had over 200 people, 250 people apply for 65 units of senior housing in 
like that. went like mm. that. I, I live in Rochester. It was the talk of the city. And, oh, and really? That, and that was one of the things that got mentioned. Like it, it was great housing that came on board and it filled up quickly. I've got to, you've got to take a walk through it. It is simply amazing. This one woman that was moving in, she's like, I waited two years to find a place to live. And I'm like, really? In your senior years, should you have to worry about where you're going to live? Mm. Mm. You know, the other project is really near and dear and super special. Um, you know, I worked very closely. Phil Taub, Swim with the Mission, um, Governor Sununu, Executive Council. We were able to pull $23 million through um, and we're focusing it on our campus in Franklin. It's 15 acres. It's a Easter Seals, New Hampshire military and veterans campus. And it has a retreat center. It, it will have, mark my word, a recreation center that has a barn, indoor riding rink, a place for dogs, an indoor climbing wall. You name it, it's going to have it. And, it, and the, the real highlight is that there's housing. Um, it's one of, it is the most difficult project I've ever done in my entire life. Um, and it is very gratifying to know that we will have 30 units of housing for veterans at the end of the day. Have you started taking, um, reservations or have people started signing up for that or is that coming down the line? People have started calling us and Mm -hmm. we're like, oh my gosh, like, we get, we're we're like eighteen months out. Yeah. Um, we will once in earnest we start making progress, we will start doing that. It'll be posted on our website and just like that it'll be felt. Yeah, and um, I was lucky enough to see um, renderings of it a few weeks ago mm-hmm. uh, as part of my leadership New Hampshire class. We we had a tour of Easter Seals, and Maureen spoke to our class, and it looks like a fantastic facility. So I'm excited to see uh, when it's the whole camp, up and running. Again, I think it's going to be great. Something you all should walk through. Like that that's that's what's so amazing about this job is like I see it every day. Like the the housing is like a physical manifestation of the things that we're doing. Right. Um and people are like, What does Easter Seals do? Well now you can go to this campus, you can see the seniors, you can see the adult day center, you can walk on it, you can touch it, you can feel it, right? Um, and that's exciting. We're also building a school for some of the most disabled children that's I've right. ever seen in my life. And if I got that one project done in my tenure, I would be a happy camper because it is so needed. So I want to transition just a little bit mm-hmm. um, and ask, since we on the podcast like to talk about people's entrepreneurial journey, their leadership styles, can you talk a little bit about what your leadership style is and what you do at Easter Seals to keep uh, the team motivated? Because it's it's a lot of, I'm sure, intense and, and at times heavy work that you're doing. Um, so what what is your style to help keep the team motivated and focused on the goal of the organization? I learned... Uh probably nearly 20 years ago that nonprofits could be entrepreneurs. I was like, whoa, I didn't know that. We could be. <laughs> um, you know, and we, we started a thrift store at Families in Transition and it's still going strong. I believe uh, that while there is a, a leadership structure, um, it needs to be flattened um, when it comes to Um, how we come up with solutions. And there are some decisions that I need to make. There are just some decisions that myself and the executives and senior leadership team need to make. And there are some decisions that the senior leadership team makes. 
and we're looking at what are those decisions. But we need to really flatten the decision-making power and shine light and transparency to the fullest extent possible um, on coming up with solutions. And we can have a, you know, we can have, you know, um, we can operate more like a matrix organization. Yeah, we have the structure, but this is an issue right here. And the person who knows it is really the leader of this team and this person and this person. So we bring those people together. We all have the same voice. Um, and uh, I am no fan of like we're super special because we're leaders. It just it, it does nothing for me. Um, at Easter Seals, we've moved forward with the strategic plan, business planning. The biggest thing that we're that we are going to do and are doing is making sure that everybody who works at Easter Seals is appreciated. They know they matter. Um, we want to know what you have to say and how can we make it better for you. We have to do that. We have over 200 vacancies. It's better than it mm. was. We need to fill those because every position that's filled is more people that we can serve through our mission. Um, so I, like, don't come to me and say I'm a leader and I deserve more than X. It's just simply not going to fly. Mm-hmm. Mm-mm. And so we've talked about all these huge projects that are undertaken and been accomplished. Um, and like you said, you don't seem to have an off button. So I don't mind asking this next question. So what's next on the horizon for Easter Seals? We're going to continue implementing our strategic plan, um, which really is fine tuning um, all of our programs, making sure quality is there, making sure staffing is there. I do have a big idea that I can't go forward, like speak outward about. Um, but when it's time, I would love, if it moves forward, I want to talk to you too. Um, and I, I have to say that, um, you know, the board needs to get behind anything that is done. Um, but I'm very concerned about the issue of uh, the homeless population. I, I can tell you that. Um, it um, breaks my heart. It makes me cry, honestly. And um, if if there's a space, if something does come of it, I will let you know. Um, and then, you know, we have lots of opportunities to increase our residential education program. We have opportunities to um, to really consolidate our child development centers. So in a child development center, you have daycare, we are aiming to have half of that population be children with special needs, have on-site support services and outpatient services, occupational therapy, speech therapy, et cetera. That is a, a high bar and a goal, and we're going to achieve it. Well, I think... Um we have so much more we could talk about, but we're going to wrap it up for today. I'm looking forward to hearing about the new idea that you have. I've got my, I'm, I'm waiting now. I'm excited to hear what, what the more new idea is. So it's a, it's a good teaser. <laughs> we'll definitely have to have you back for that. Um, but for now, thank you, Maureen Beauregard, president and CEO of Easter Seals, New Hampshire and Vermont. We appreciate you joining us today. Thank you. Really? It's like talking to two old friends. Uh, Matt, I feel like we're growing up together. <laughs> <laughs> thank, thank you. Thank you. Thanks. 
Thank you for joining us today. If you enjoyed the stories and information you heard on today's podcast, find more by subscribing to Business NH Magazine or visiting businessnhmagazine.com. I'm Matt Mowry. And I'm Christine Kerrigan. BizCast NH is a production of Granite Media Group.